Thank you, Taylor. Beautiful song, huh? Amen. Welcome to church this morning. We have some who are not with us, but I hope they are on the web. I am glad to be with you this morning. And I'm thankful that the Lord brought us all together. We need to be close to God today, and may he bless us. Let's, before I say anything or do anything, let us pray. Father, we are thankful to be in your presence. We thank you for the, this small congregation that loves you, that came to hear your word. May they hear your voice, not mine, and bless us as we gather around your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We heard so many times this morning about uh, baptism. And uh, we're going to have a baptism. All those people who gave their testimonies. And we're going to add more to them by the time we have a baptism on Sunday, May 21st at 2 p.m. You have the time now. You have time. And uh, what uh, I enjoyed, uh, Rick Punzo, when he said he had the joy in his heart and the smile on his face, Amen. and I remembered mine. Speaking of baptism, I read a little, little story about baptism, so I would like to share it with you. Uh, Nick's mother stops for a moment as her son reads the Bible to their cat. Okay, you got that? <laughs> Isn't that sweet, she says. But an hour later, she hears a terrible racket. Running out the door, she finds Nick trying to dunk the cat in a bucket of water. <laughs> well, Nick, what are you doing? Well, I'm baptizing Muffin, he says. But cats don't like to be in water. Well then, he shouldn't have joined my church. <laughs> I thought it'd be funny, but it's apropos to share it with you. Ah, may God bless. I like kids when they imitate church leaders and things that happen with us. May the Lord help us to be good examples to the children we have. Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul could well have centered his preaching in philosophy, in the Old Testament law, in the prophets, in Jewish traditions and practices, for he was a practicing Jew. We know that. He could have also addressed the problems of society because he was well-trained. And we, we know that he was an educated man, a scholar. But he put everything aside, all his knowledge aside, and he chose to preach Christ 
to preach Jesus and to him that was enough. There are those who say, well, just proclaim Jesus as a good man. And say that he went to do good on earth, or even as the best man who ever lived. No, he said, I want to preach Jesus and him crucified. As a savior, let's read two verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Paul writes, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, that the cross of Christ should not be made void. For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing its foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You know, if the preacher leaves out the word the cross and the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary by Jesus himself, his own blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sin, his message is incomplete. His message is ineffective and worthless in my opinion. Now today, I hear so many, so many, they, uh, put their messages on the web. You hear so many of those. All they want to do is entertain the congregation. All they want to do is make them laugh, enjoyable, and they leave, they go home, you ask them, what was the message today? Well, the music was great. And they don't remember what was the message all about. The churches today have become a social gathering. Not here. They became a place where concerts are being performed. There's nothing wrong, wrong with that. But it's not a substitution of preaching the gospel of Christ. In this church, and may God help us, as long as we live, we will always preach Jesus Christ and his cross. And why, why do we preach Christ? Why do we preach the cross of Christ? Well, we preach the cross, you know, out of gratitude. 
Are you thankful that Jesus Christ died on the cross? Shed his blood to save you. A pastor told a story about a man in his church who went to the physician who removed a skin cancer from his face. The pastor says, few times in life have I seen a man so grateful. He told everyone who would listen how this surgeon had delicately removed the malignant growth from his face and how he was healed from its terror. He would say to a person, do you have a cancer? This man, do you know anyone who have a cancer? And he would add, I know a surgeon who can make you well. What would you think of a person cured of cancer who would withhold information and at least a glimpse of hope from another who was gripped with the same dreaded disease? Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, has provided remedy for a disease far worse than cancer. No surgeon can remove this malignancy, and it is humanly incurable. It is called sin. The outcome of this disease, if not cured, is death, not only of the body, but of the soul. And in view of this danger, in view of this danger, what should our attitude toward those who are still in their sins? That's the question today. Are we to stay silent and keep quiet for what Jesus has done for us on the cross? Our response must be to everyone we come in touch with to know about this great physician. We should tell them, listen, I know about this great physician. I know he can cure you. I know he can change your life completely. He changed mine. He changed many lives here. He is the only doctor, the sure healer, and the medicine he gives, listen, medical he gives is the only cure and healing in every instance. You don't have to wait three months to know the results of his healing immediately as he met many people when he was here on earth and he met this man who was paralyzed carried on his uh, on a stretcher and he looked at him he said get up pick up your little mattress and go home he jumped up picked up his mattress and went home this is the way god heals this is the way God saves. 
This is the way when you come to him, he says, Lord, I am a sinner. Please save me. Change me. I have tried so many ways. I have tried so many churches. I have tried so many things here. But I could not overcome the sin that has ruled my life since I was born. There is no one, no healer under the sun who can look you in the eye. I say, go home. The woman came, an adulteress. And she was, they were ready, the people, the Jews around her. They had the stones in their hands to just kill her. Throw their rocks on her. She was ready to die. She met Jesus. Confessed her sins. And he knew about her. He said, Woman, go home and sin no more. No one can touch you anymore because I am going to save all your sins. One by one, they left. He said, go and sin no more. This is how God works. He saves, and he saves forever. Children of God who are in this audience, you know that you are saved. You're sure that Jesus Christ, when you came to him just between you two and confessed your sins, and he said, young man, young woman, go and sin no more. What does it mean? I mean, you have confessed you're a sinner before him. And please forgive me and save me. He is such a loving God. He is such a forgiving God. He will never remember your sins when you confess them to him. And you come wholeheartedly, sincerely, throw yourself at his feet. He is the one who can tell you, go and sin no more. Did you meet him? Did you have this experience with him? If you did not so far, I ask you this morning, still a little bit morning, I ask you to come to him and ask him to forgive you and he'll send you on your way. Forgiven, joyful and ready to face the world in a different way. To those who have been touched by this wonderful physician, wonderful doctor, just remember the day you came to him and confessed your sins and heard these wonderful words Get up. Your sins are forgiven. No one, no man, no clergy can save you from your sins, can forgive you except the Lord Jesus Christ.
period. Never forget that day also when you have been saved. When you came to Jesus, never forget that day. It's new, your new birthday. I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ in 1957. Many of you were not born yet. But let me say this. I've never regretted one moment to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. No regrets. I never looked back. I became a happy man. And you know I'm happy. And you know where I'm not happy because you don't see the smile, smile on my face. But the only person who could give me the real joy as we heard this morning, the real joy is the Lord Jesus Christ who took charge of my heart and of my life. And I can tell you one thing, it's been a wonderful life. It's not James Stewart's wonderful life. It's been a wonderful life with Jesus. Yes, I have a birthday now, second birthday. My birthday is always in March. But you know, when I was born again, when I came to Jesus and gave him my life, you know, it was March 26, 1957. Oh, I have two birthdays in March. And you know, I am so thankful for having two birthdays. Would you like to have another birthday? Where, where, wherever it is, whenever it is. Take Jesus and live. Can you stand and say that Jesus Christ changed my life on that day that you have accepted him as Savior? If you doubt, it's not late yet. If you, don't, if you did not give your life to Jesus Christ, now is the time. Today, the day of salvation. Please, do not postpone it. Don't, don't say, it's wonderful. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ later on. Next time I come to church, let me say this. I've done this before. I've done it. It didn't work with me. And thank God he kept me alive. But no one has the assurance that we will be alive tomorrow. No one. Or next week. Or next month. We don't know. Because our lives, our lives are in his hands. He can take it anytime. What a love story that Jesus is still looking for you and searching for you and following you and bothering you and tapping on your conscience. Stop postponing it. Stop say later on.
Take your pride and put it aside and take Jesus in all humbleness. He humbled himself unto death for you and for me. Take him and run with your life. What a story. Why do we preach the cross? Because it's a love story. The word of God. When it's read, when it's studied, it opens your heart. It illumines your life. Unlike any other book, unlike it, you read or you read, the Spirit opens the heart and changes everything. If you don't have a Bible, we'll be happy to give you a Bible. Take it and read it. It will change your life. Millions of people since the crucifixion have been preaching this wonderful story and many lives have been changed by its power. The story of Jesus. And you know what? Many people don't read it until Christmas. And many people don't read it until Christmas Eve. That's why many lives today are lost. That's what Paul mentioned in verse 17 and 18 of Corinthians chapter 1. And he mentions somewhere else, he says, those who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior, allow me to say this, they are lost. If Jesus comes now to take his church and establish his kingdom that we are studying about, where would you be? Will you be taken to see him? Will be, you will be united, will you, with him? Will you be in his kingdom when he reigns? And you are part of it? Just ask yourself this question. Will I be? May the Lord give us the courage. And the courage should be to all of us. During these difficult days. Don't you think these are difficult days? Christianity is being put daily on trial and Christians and the cross have been ridiculed for their stand and for their faithfulness. I heard a story I want to tell you about it. A Denver woman, a Denver woman
told her, her pastor of a recent experience that she felt was indicative of the times in which we live. She was in a jewelry store looking for a necklace and said to the clerk, I'd like a gold cross. The man behind the counter looked over the stock in the display case and said, do you want a plain one or one with a little man on it? A cross with a little man on it or you want it without? Little man. Paul got, got very aggravated when he went to visit in Athens at the hill where all the philosophers used to meet. They call it Mars Hill. Arius Phagos. And he was looking at these people. What are, who are they worshipping? He stopped by a little monument and written underneath to unknown God, to an unknown God. They'd rather worship an unknown God than the Lord Jesus Christ. A little man. Today, Jesus Christ is not even mentioned by name. I heard someone, so-called Christian, he said, JC is, I said, I wonder, I, I was taken by surprise. Who is JC? Jesus Christ. I can tell you one thing. I stand before you with pride. I love Jesus Christ and I worship him. He is Jesus Christ, my Savior. Paul writing to Timothy, his son, spiritually speaking, he wrote to him and says, hey Timothy, preach the gospel in season and out of season. Meaning that when, when you think it is appropriate and when you think it's not appropriate, just the opportunity is there and Speak about your Savior. Tell them about your Redeemer and stand firm in season and out of season. It's, as I said, a love story. Jesus came. God loved so much the world that he gave his only son for you and for me. Are you willing today to say, Lord Jesus, I've been so tortured in this world and I don't like it. Lord, come and touch my heart. I give you my life. And guess what? You'll never regret it. I'm standing before you and ask those who are sitting by your side, how do they feel after they gave Jesus Christ their lives?
And you know because he loves you, he sacrificed his only begotten son to die for you and shed his blood. And that's why we say, why? Why, Paul, you preach the gospel. He said, because it has the power of God to change lives. We cannot sweep it under the rug. No, Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. You know, all through the ages, I heard, I heard a little sentence before that about the Lord Jesus Christ and his salvation. The speaker, a clergy, the speaker, just, just pushed, pushed that aside. And you know what said? And uh, there, and it is in a paper. And under this title, religion, world religion, this is what's written. It was on the web. God of many names. Whoever you name is your God. Not so. The God of many names is not the God of this church. It's not the God of those people who gave their life to Jesus Christ. The God who saves, the God who changes lives, his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Take him and he will give you a life. Thousands yearly, the God of many names, travel to the Holy Land and visit Bethlehem. And they go empty and come back empty. Many others travel to Rome and climb the Basilica and pay their dues and come back empty. And millions take the road to Mecca and spend there a month and they come back empty. And millions have gone to the Lord Jesus Christ in their home, in their heart, in the churches, wherever they were. They gave their lives to Jesus Christ. They came back full of the Holy Spirit and joyful for that meeting. Would you take him today as your savior? This is why Paul didn't want to present his credentials as the most the most learned person in the book, the Bible. No, he put this all aside. I said, I want to know one thing about you, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Would you take him today as your savior? Would you embrace him? Would you say, Lord, come into my heart and change my life? Let's bow our heads for prayer. You know, if you need Jesus to save you, pray this prayer, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Please come and save me. And he'll change your heart. Our Father, we thank you for the liberty that we have in this land.
that we can still proclaim Jesus Christ and his cross. And he is the only Savior. Please, Lord, if there's any heart or hearts here amongst us, seeking your salvation, please, Lord, enter their lives and change them. Please dismiss us with your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.